Welcome to another Speak of the Devil. My name is Reverend Camel, and today I'm being joined by Satanist Christian Grant. How are you, man? Good. Glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for so much for coming on. Uh, it's been a long time coming, I feel like. I don't know. You know, every once in a while you run into someone, you're like, why haven't we met before? And I think this is one of those. <laughs> we run in the same circles. Why the fuck haven't we ran into each other before? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, we, ha we have a lot of the same, uh, you know, acquaintances online and... You know, you do the the satanic podcast thing, which was really my my foray into a little bit of Satanism and mm -hmm. kind of getting to know people. So I, I don't know how how it hasn't happened yet. Well, it's here now. It's happening. Thank you all so much for joining us live in the chat room. I appreciate it. Chris, great to see you. Joe, Elijah, my man. Uh, good to see you in the chat room. Adam, how you doing, man? Lauren, my dear, what's up? And uh, anyone else here jumping in Lolly? How are you? It's been a little bit. Uh, Master Taurus. Stephanie. Ted. Ah, oh, shit. Ted's in the, his house. Uh, if you guys have any questions for Christian during the course of this conversation, please get them up there. And uh, Oma, good to see you. And I will get to them as soon as the course of the conversation allows. However, because uh, anonymity is desired in some instances, and certainly in this one, I'm going to just be a static image. You're not going to see me uh, fluttering around and looking like a jackass live on camera. It's all going to be static images. So I hope everyone's okay with that. It does mean that I get to sit here in my sweater and my uh, snowman uh, pajama pants. So I'm digging it. <laughs> so thanks, Christian. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't have to doll up hey, for this one. It lets me do the same thing, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me first shout out to uh, Benefactory Patrons R&DA for making all of this thing possible i appreciate it uh you guys are awesome and we have brand new patrons hereticus patrons oma and james thank you both for your patronage and uh, for those of you who may not know uh speak of the devil is on patreon and you can always check that out i'll give a shout out to the url at the end of the show but um yeah i really do appreciate everything you guys are doing for the show i, you know, I really do um christian you and I, we're going to talk. We're going to talk here about you, about what you do, what you're studying. We're going to talk a little bit about, I don't know, we, we, we may even get crazy and find out if you got, if you got a Jewish cut. You know what I mean? If you, if you, if you had a moil visit your, your bed one night, we'll get into it. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> but uh, before we do any of that, this is called Speak of the Devil, and so I want to lead with a little bit of Satanism talk. Um, so let's do just that. When did you first learn of uh, Satanism? Uh, so I was about I was about fifteen, about sophomore year of high school. Um, I was doing a research project, kind of an open-ended thing for one of my English courses, and I was really into kind of true crime and learning about lots of different religions and i thought you know i keep hearing all these things about these devil worshiping cults and why would anybody do that that's so weird and interesting so i i've you know as anybody who wouldn't know better would typed in you know tenets of satanism or something along those lines and luckily i came across something that actually was satanism and kind of the more I read, the more I kind of decided to change the topic of the, uh, of the, of the project. And, you know, I convinced my Catholic mom to buy me the satanic Bible under the, <laughs> the guise of research and just kept reading and, you know, eventually went, no, this is me. And, uh, it, it's been no looking back really. <laughs> so out of your, uh, research into true crime or your your passion of, of just understanding it or, or having fun watching or reading about it uh did you have a perception of what satanism was before you started reading up on it i had this kind of loose idea you know i i really thought that there were people you know maybe punk kids and lots of drug users that organized and worshiped the devil and did all sorts of stuff and you know at the time i didn't know any know any better and yeah. i'm from a really small town with like i think we have six churches and one square mile and you know i didn't didn't have much else so yeah i, I really had a little bit of that like remnant satanic panic idea was there any now you were were you around during the satanic panic no i was born in 98 <laughs> oh sweet hell 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, no. <laughs> I want to get into that here in just a second too because <laughs> there I have a theory that I'm going to find out tonight if it's proven true or if I'm just full of shit. Um, but I'm going to get into it in just I'm going to put a pin in that uh, while I ask you, uh, were you a little disappointed? Because you, wh- whenever you learn maybe the reality behind an expectation, that expectation traditionally can be blown up and, you know, can even if you don't agree with maybe its manifestation in your mind, you're still a little excited to see it for what you believe it to be. Um, when it came to Satanism as the religion, after you had read the Senate Bible, did, were you just like, oh, it's not about, huh? <laughs> like, was there any disappointment? Honestly, no, I was more excited. I was like, this is so much, you know, deeper and more interesting and complex and just different than what I was expecting. And it's so me that I was just more excited than anything else. Did you grow up in a religious household? Um, not really. I mean, I was raised loose, loosely Catholic. I was like confirmed in the Catholic Church, but from a fairly young age, I pretty much either defined myself as an as an agnostic or an atheist. And my my mom was kind of religious. My grandparents, you know, as most grandparents are were very religious um my dad really didn't talk about it so it was kind of this weird in between christian by default thing right interesting um did you grow up with any of the catholic trappings of ritual and stuff like that yeah that was actually um one of the things once i really got into satanic ritual one of the things that i kind of put in first was that very ceremonial feeling that i always really liked about the catholic church i really liked all the you know the incense and the it, everything was just so symbolic and very old feeling and i wanted to kind of keep that little bit of magical feeling in my own mm. magical rituals yeah well, that's interesting because you don't come from a particularly extremely religious household, and yet it does seem like you are magically minded. Um, where do you think that part comes from? Is, is it just the, the Catholic background, or do you think there's something else that helps inform it? You know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I always was, you know, even as a little kid, kind of attracted that, to that kind of ceremonial magic, um, I guess, aesthetic. And it's just always been a part of my life, always been something that I liked. Um, for a little while, I got really into the kind of imagery of, excuse me, mm-hmm. of like late 1800s spiritualism and oh, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So it's just always been around for me. And I, I've always just thought it was so cool that I, I try to incorporate it as best I can into my own life. Did you ever run like a seance or a Ouija board, anything? No, but I do have one. I found a Ouija board from the 30s in an antique shop for like eight bucks. And that's, oh, that's on my altar now. Yeah. That's great. And I went and looked it up and it was like 300 bucks. I'm like, oh, I stole <laughs> that. Hell but yeah. yeah, I have uh, since, you know, being a little more open with my friends about Satanism, I have kind of offered to play the spooky Satanist, you know, magic guy at Halloween parties and things with tarot readings. And of course they know that that's not, at least with me, connected with Satanism. And we don't usually use Satanism in connection with that kind of activity. But they do know that, you know, my friends have a spooky friend that's into some weird stuff (laughs) and Satan and whatever. So I do try and do a little bit of that. I don't, I see, and I know... There, there's got to be some Satanists who sort of refrain from pulling that that spooky devil card. But I love, given the right circumstances, I love whipping that card out and just being like, yeah, everything you heard is true. We're summoning the fucking devil tonight. Like, I, I love meeting people on their own expectation terms and having fun fun with it and i'm not so concerned about and maybe this is the problem with what i'm doing i'm not so concerned about them coming away from it knowing um 
wow, he he really isn't, or you know, later reading up on Satanism, and realizing what it, what it is, and you're like, he really isn't a Satan. He did he didn't do anything right at all. Like he was completely misrepresenting. But I'm having fun in the moment. They're having fun in the moment. That's what I care about, you know. Yeah, I mean, as long as people know, like, I'm not gonna hurt your animals or your kids or anything like that. Like, if you're being a dick, I'm gonna fuck with you a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah. if you're if you're spooked out by the word Satan, I'm gonna throw it around a little bit because you know maybe I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that man. Um, yeah, I would say if if ever given an opportunity in a public setting to participate in. Uh, any, you know, even if it's just a friendly seance or, or Ouija board or anything that people consider particularly occulty or ooky, you know, just sort of scary, knowing that you're a Satanist and you're in that space as well heightens their, their believability, their, it puts them in that zone that much more. And it's so wonderfully delightful to witness you know, you're living vicariously through them, and that can be so exciting for me. I don't know. Right, and it, you know, it makes this, it makes your experience more enjoyable yeah. because suddenly, just because you're there, everybody's so much more into it, and that's such a cool feeling to know that you have that effect on people sometimes. That sheer power, like, and it, you know, it sounds, you know, flippant and, and kind of ridiculous because it is on its face. Um, but in the moment, there's there's a lot of fun to be had with that perceived authority that you bring to whatever it is you're bringing to, you know. And 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 for a lot of people uh, who end up reading about Satanism as a religion and identifying as a Satanist, you know, they came in through that occult side, and so they're still going to have fun with that part of it. Uh, I I almost feel sorry for Satanists who don't allow themselves that occulty goofy fun you know it's, it's it's so great and it's such a wonderful aesthetic uh sort of right. aesthetic sidecar <laughs> to satanism right why, why not have a little bit more fun with you know the halloween stuff yeah no that's great um all right so uh was it like a, a first time read through and you just self-identified or i mean were, were there any be and I asked this, were there any aspects of Satanism that you had ch uh, difficulty with or any particular challenge with? Because I certainly did when I first read the Standard Bible and the Devil's Notebook. I had taken issue with portions of it before I fully grasped it again because I you know, came from a, a cult background and I had a different perception of it. Did you have any of that at all? Yeah, so I was really, really hesitant to call myself a Satanist. Um, right at first, you know, I, I just kept saying, well, I have to understand more of it. I have to know a little bit more about it. So I read, you know, all the all the Church of Satan website stuff or a large portion of it and kind of read through the entire Satanic Bible in about a, a day, maybe two. And, you know, I thought, okay, all this, like the Book of Lucifer, all this stuff is me, but I've never really, you know, as much as I like ritual and I like the ritual aesthetic and I am now much more comfortable kind of incorporating magic into my life. I was pretty hardcore, you know, 15 year old atheist at the time. And I said, you know, kind of said, if I'm not going to be okay with the ritual aspect of it, I'm not a Satanist. I just like Satanism. Hmm. So I looked, uh, you know, I didn't, just like anybody when they're starting out and don't have a job, I looked up the uh, any kind of simple ritual I can do. And I found the one on the youth communique. And I thought, all right, I'll try this out. If I like it, this is for me. If I don't, it's not. So one night I tried it out and I thought, all right, that was, that was pretty cool. I want to kind of keep doing stuff like that and using that kind of special setting to accomplish things within myself and emotionally and all that stuff. And and I want. I guess I must be a Satanist because I like every bit about it, and every bit about it is about me. So it, it took a little while, but I, I guess I could say I came around. Yeah. Uh, this may be a little foolish to ask because, and it'll be you know further explored uh, in the here in just a little bit. Uh, but typically, more modern generations have. Um, 
less patience for research. Um, and again, this is anecdotal, stereotypical, one size does not fit all. Um, Satanism, at least in my perception, coming up when I did, was very much only available in paperback form. Like, if you wanted to learn about it, you had to read about it. You weren't going to run right. across someone that was going to tell you about it. You had to, you had to study. And, and, and that's the only way you knew what it actually was. Nowadays, you know, there's podcasts, there's video podcasts, there's interview, uh, video interviews, there's TV programs that, that cover it. Um, does that... Does the sheer prevalence of it... I, I sort of walked myself into two questions here. Does the sheer prevalence of it um, dilute its mysticism at all? Like, there's this... And I don't, I don't use mysticism in the traditional way. I mean, just there's a magic to the idea of Satanism. There's, there's an idea of Satan and devils and pits of hell and ritual robes and clearly Anton LaVey and... Um, nude altars. Like, there's this this aesthetic to Satanism. D is that diluted in the sheer presence of all of the different ways that you can learn about it? I think that kind of you know, what, all the greater magic aesthetic that you were talking about might be a little bit, but at the same time, like for me, you know, the first podcast that I got into after I read the Satanic Bible was Raising Hell. And at the time, that was the only one I knew of. I didn't really have internet access, very limited internet access at home. So it was kind of like whenever I could find something online, I'd kind of jump on it. And for me, it kind of added to the, you know, what, what you were doing with Nine Cents with, you know, furthering the greater satanic conversation. Um, I got a lot more of the philosophical aspects of it and the, the thoughts behind it and kind of the practical application of it outside of magic and then magic to me or greater magic i should say was more of a personal thing that almost added to that mysticism it instead of being you know look at let me emulate or you know use the the ritual aesthetic that anton LaVey used in my rituals let me look at the principles of ritual and kind of craft my own perfect ritual chamber and my own perfect it was creating an altar became a ritual in itself so in a way it just kind of shifted that mysticism for me yeah um and the original question i was just sort of going to to ask you before i got sidetracked by my own <laughs> insanity um again this is stupid for who you are but i want you to speak for your generation <laughs> if, if, if one can do that um, do you think Satanism is truly understood in a modern generation when uh, people typically don't like to read, again, stereotypically, as much as uh, perhaps they did in the past? I think that if it's either less understood or just as misunderstood and as it was in, you know, like a pre-internet age, I guess one would say, mm. um, if it is that way, it's not because people aren't willing to read or do the research in my experience and in my um, conversations with people um, I've noticed a lot of times it's a lot more just apathy don't don't care about the particular subject rather than the the idea of research itself or people not like you said like being a little disappointed that it wasn't you know sacrificing goats at midnight under a full moon and just deciding that, you know what, if that's not what I like, or if, if Satanism isn't what I like, then that might not be real Satanism because, you know, as we all know, there's so many different people out there claiming to be Satanism now. Somebody could look anywhere and find exactly what they're looking for. So right. I don't think it's a lack of wanting to put in the work for research. I think it's, you know, just the fact that we're, kind of a fringe area of knowledge people aren't as concerned with religion or you know philosophy or mm -hmm. uh, occult stuff anymore they're more concerned with politics or you know things like that and it's just we're not as heavily looked at right yeah zachary in the chat room is saying uh the mysticism only seems to be increased because the foundations are so easily found 
if they're willing to look. Um, I think that's interesting, too, because, again, the sheer prevalence means that you can be exposed to it much easier than you could in the past. You'd had to literally, like, kick around some occult sections of bookstores back in the day in order to find anything. Um, uh, yet, he also goes further to say it's not easier to understand for the herd. I think um, that's pretty on point. My, I guess my biggest uh, concern... Uh, not even really concerned, but my, my, my approach to this is that because it was such a, a secret thing that people whispered about, they wouldn't even dare pull the, the Senate Bible out into public uh, for fear of retribution or reaction. Uh, because it was such a secret, sacred thing, um, th there was a power in understanding and knowing about it that those who were merely you know, dancing around the idea of it gave you and really just granted you by simple fact that you knew what you were fucking talking about. And, and I liken this a little bit to, you know, if we take Satanism out of the equation, we just talk about virtually anything. Like I know because I come from an occult background, dozens and dozens of people who uh, constantly quote people like Aleister Crowley and yet have done zero research into who he was or what he actually did, and so they don't really know anything about him. And yet they're, they're quoting him and preaching about him as if he were some uh, you know, champion of uh, occult knowledge or wisdom of the ancients. And the truth couldn't be further right. from it um, if you've ever read anything about the dude. So... It's sort of that take, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, no, I, I know about Satanism. Uh, yeah, I, I listen to a podcast or something. But if you haven't actually done the work, the study, then you truly don't know anything. And, and I don't know if, you know, like with anything, like, like if you go through history and you look at and this, I'm sort of spiraling here, but just give me a second. If you look at the original form of uh, the you know Christian religion, it was in and of itself very much a cult. In you know Roman times, they had to operate in secret, or else they would be stoned to death or thrown to the fucking lions. Uh, and yet there was an attraction to it because of its secrecy, because of its uh, hidden, forbidden truths of the era. And I think that there was very much a time that that was true of Satanism as well, that, that, that misunderstood secrecy, that, that ancient wisdom uh, tapping into this you know, ancient Satan uh, dogma. Uh, and nowadays, I don't know that that even exists anymore. Do you feel like, um, you know, from your generation, did you ever sense uh, Satanism was like that? Or was it always much more of a realistic you know, approach to a caramel human experience? It, it was a little bit of both. So like what you were saying with like, there's a lot of people who know just a little bit about it, but once you start to actually, you know, walk the walk and know your stuff a little bit more, it starts to carry some weight and some sort of, you know, forbidden aspect to it. And there was a lot of that, especially, you know, when I, you know, the following year I was reading um, the satanic scriptures and, you know, I don't really care what most of my peers thought of me at the time. So I'd just read it, you know, before class and have it sitting out on my desk and things like that. And, you know, there was an effect, but at the same, wow, I really lost myself on that one. Um, <laughs> at the same time, um, there is a little bit of that lost and that, you know, now, now that it's so easy to know a little bit about it, you've got, and, you know, atheism has kind of been growing for so long, you do get the people who are just, you know, wanting to dismiss it as, oh, you're just a spooky atheist. You're, you know, you're you're not really anything different than me. There's nothing added to it. This is stupid. There's a lot of that aspect with people who don't want to take the time to do the research. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, yeah. where it both increases in the in certain circles and decreases in mysticism in others. Nice. Yeah, I mean. Ultimately, this is just my own exploration, you know, through you of Satanism through a, a different lens. And that can be said of every interview I do and, and really any discussion I have on this show. Um, but I do find it interesting because I'm not always afforded the opportunity to speak uh, to someone 
who is firmly in the exact same camp as I am. You know, we're standing literally next to each other under the same tent, and yet we are from very, very different generations. And I think, I think that speaks to not only um, the wonderful nature of Satanism and its timelessness, and it, it speaks to humans in, of any era. Uh, and, and again, we're not that far removed, so I don't want to make you know, to put too fine a point on it. Um, and maybe I bring it up because I, I do think it's an important part of what it means to be a Satanist, is to recognize that our founder is no longer with us. And that means time, time moves through the religion, but it doesn't affect the religion. So one's experience from 50 years ago is not going to be so dissimilar from one's experience of Satanism to today. You know, the, the frame may be different because society clearly is slightly different. Uh, and again, maybe dramatically, depending on where you are regionally around the world. But the truth is, the religion in and of itself hasn't changed at all. It's just our experience of it that might have. And so I'm always interested to, you know, you know ask the questions and find out what others' experiences are in that realm. Um, do you find it important that... Uh, um, and, and this is interesting, I think, because we do typically look back on a religion and look back on its founder and give greater authority to those who have been around it longer. Um, do you think it's important for uh, Satanists of you know, the earliest eras to uh, be still communicating Satanism uh, for those looking for it? Or, or do you think that matters at all in this particular religion? I think it's great um, when someone who's been around since the beginning um, puts information out there and puts their perspective out there and you know, tells their story with Satanism and all that stuff. Um, I would never want to say, like, they should be doing it. They should be doing whatever makes them happy. And, you know, I, I'd prefer someone to do what makes them happy than cater to me. If they've been around, you know, since the foundation, I wouldn't presume to uh, ask for that. But I do think that it's it's really great that we have, you know, people out there who, you know, lots of people out there who knew Anton LaVey and knew what was going on, you know, right at the beginning or in the early days or anything like that, because it, at least to me, you know, those are the things that are keeping the detractors away. Those are the things that are, you know, making sure the pseudos know that they're pseudos. Mm. Um, to be able to say what you're saying about Anton LaVey is not correct because this is someone who hung out with him, who, you know, spent time with him and knew him saying that that's false. Yeah. Um, so I think the fact that there are still, I shouldn't say it like that, the fact that people are still putting out information, first-hand information from those days is really important. Um, but I think that if those people were to all suddenly say, you know what, I'm done, you know, I'm going to do my thing, we'd be totally fine. There's so much out there now. Um, there's so much information and writings and uh, anything you can imagine that we can really concretely say this is who we are and this is what what we stand for you know for ourselves and this is what our philosophy and our religion says and yeah we'd we'd be able to i guess stand on what's already there can i ask you a little bit about first phase satanism because i know i I've, I was like a good year and a half, two years of self-identifying where I was knee-deep in first phase. Um, did you go through first phase? Is this something you enjoyed? You know, like, what, what was that like for you? Oh, I, I, first phase hit me like a ton of bricks. First phase <laughs> hit me harder than puberty. Like, <laughs> I, I was one of those first phasers that was like the evangelist. Like, you need to understand and... I need to teach you about this and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, looking back now, I'm like, God, I was a, I was an asshole. <laughs> like, but I, I did the whole, like, look at all the, uh, look at all the 
pentagrams all over. For me, it wasn't clothing or posters or whatever. For me, it was a Instagram that has hopefully been thoroughly deleted and erased from the internet. But so I, yeah, I hit first phase really hard, and that it lasted for much longer than I care to admit. <laughs> I feel like people should embrace their first phase. I mean, not only in the same way that you embrace, you know, your your prepubescence and the silliness that you were at whatever you know youthful age that you reflect upon with shame. I think we need to celebrate that. We need to to grab hold tight because ultimately we're you know the result of our experiences, and there's no shame in that. And and we have to be able to appreciate the growth that we've made and what better way to reflect on that than when we were kind of silly about, you know, what this religion that, that really doesn't even entertain the, the basic ideas of these first phase, uh, Satanists, uh, certainly not completely. And yet it seems to be a shared experience for all of us, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, and you got to keep it alive a little bit because there's that kind of exuberance that, yeah. that feeling that, Oh, I, I have a name for who I am. Look at this is who I am and I can show it to you. You can read about it. You you know who I am. Like I just hit, um, actually an hour or two ago, I just hit um, 666 likes, likes on my Facebook page. And I'm like, well, what fun would <laughs> I be if I didn't put a, yeah, put a whole, put a little thing up that said, you know, look at me. I hit 666. You know, mm -hmm. you got to keep it alive a little bit and enjoy the little silliness of it from Hell time yeah. to time. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give a quick uh, reaction to a, a comment in the chat room here. Um, Emily is asking thoughts on the 50th anniversary revision. And I had no idea what she was speaking to, but it seems to be clarified by Joe here, I believe, where he says this tenant Bible by Michael Aquino. And I want to be clear and I don't want anyone to misunderstand anything here so I, I want to come out straight and say it there is no such thing as a revision of the satanic bible what michael aquino did was try to ride the coattails of the doctor and create something completely different that he wanted the church of satan to be originally and the doctor did not and there is written proof of this in the historical record check out churchofsatan.com for that ensure that you understand the reality behind this because it's really important the first hundred years are the hardest of any religion and certainly with original religion like satanism to have detractors who were involved in some of the early church church of satan experience who never wanted it to be what the founder intended but rather what they themselves wanted it to be who tried to create a religion themselves separate from the church of satan and failed and then tried to come back and say no no all of that i was just kidding really this is what the doctor intended from the beginning well then why didn't he ever say it why didn't he ever go along with your insane ramblings and what he's doing is writing the insanity of modern day thinking reflecting on history and not actually looking at what history actually was and this is why it's a sin forgetfulness of past orthodoxies because you take what you are taught in the moment or told in the moment and assume that it has always been that way never having actually looked behind you never doing any research never looking into it and i'm a little bit passionate about it because quite frankly i'm a satanist and so it matters to me he has right. never been a Satanist. He pretended to be a Satanist because he admired the doctor. And this is something I want to get into with you as well, just based on a quote from one of your blogs. He admired the doctor. He was a fan of the doctor. He loved the idea of magic. And the only person that was doing it at the time with any sense of authority was the devil made on earth, Anton LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan and declared year one. So... You do not get a sense of authority simply because you knew someone else. That does not work in life. You have to actually do something of significance. So if you want to start your own fucking religion, if you want to say that there is in fact a spiritual anthropomorphic deity called Satan, fine. But don't steal someone else's fucking drink trying to do it. 
The Church of Satan exists. It is defined. It has been for 50 fucking years. Stop pretending that you are just discovering it now and you're going to have some weird uh, reformation uh, circa fucking Christianity. It doesn't fucking work like that. We have definitions in this world. All right, so that being said, I don't want to jump too far ahead here because I, I want to go back and I want to talk about your, your, your um, schooling. But you do write a blog called Just a Young Satanist. Um, and yeah. I, it started in 2017, right? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to believe that it's been two years now. <laughs> Time flies, man. Um, I went to the very first blog on your website that I could find. And at the very end... I thought you had a brilliant quote that I don't think enough people appreciate, Thank possibly you. understand, and I want to reiterate it here. I, I, I want to read this. Okay. These are Christian's words, not mine. I was born after LeVay died, yet I choose to buy and read his literature, become a member of the organization he established, and identify myself under the banner he defined. Why? Because Satanism is not about LeVay. It's about me. It is who I am and who I always have been. That is an understanding of Satanism that you do not find in young Satanists. And I only say that through personal experience because typically I have not. And so I am amazed that you are able to separate the organization from the religion from the founder because... I know fucking grown-ass men and women who do not, who cannot separate it like that. So, I, I want to know why, why you're able to separate that. Because it, it seriously is an anomaly, in my opinion. I don't know. It, it just made sense to me. You know, like, I looked at, I remember, you know, a lot of people around me who saw me when I was getting into Satanism and kind of looked into it themselves, kind of, those, some people got really attached to Anton LaVey was so cool. And that, to me, wasn't what, what he wrote. It wasn't about him. And then I saw other people around me kind of, you know, when I started getting into the social media aspect of it, you know, not working with different Satanists. And I'm not going to name names, and I don't even remember who it would have been, but I saw other people who were just really, really focused on, look at these cool events this is satanism not like this is part of satanism or this is what satanists do this is satanism like that really wasn't what was written down either mm -hmm. so it it was just really looking at how other people kind of reacted to the same stuff i was seeing and going I don't really think that's right and i don't think that you know if you read what's written there and if you talk to people who know what they're talking about that's not what this is and when i look at it i know that it is about a certain type of person that we call a satanist and it is about that individual person the reader that is that person and you know i was and you are and you know i still am i should say the reader that is that person and that's what the religion is about hmm. so it was just really looking at other people and going i don't i think you missed it ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so uh, that's fucking wonderful man i am so i when i when i read that i was just so gleeful about this conversation we were about to have uh, oh, thank you i forgot because, right forgot i wrote it <laughs> yeah no, no it is such a simple thought game uh, to have but it is so incredibly important because ultimately you are not just a student you are not just a writer you are not just a young man you are the culmination of all of your experience and all of your achievements and all of your goals all of the people that have educated and informed you to get you to where you were before like we were just talking about those first phase how it's important to to how it helped lead you to where you are you are a collection of experience and knowledge that you have garnered through your society, through your culture, everything. To, to distill Satanism down to the founder is doing such a shortcut. 
and, and just such an insult to what the founder created in the first fucking place. And I don't think people fully understand even that idea. Because we continuously see people quoting the doctor as if every word he ever said is somehow canon in some uh, uh, deistic uh, uh, tapestry. You know, like, like someone put a fucking Shroud of Turin over him and lifted it, and it said these things uh, from every little interview taken out of context. And so, hence, my interpretation of those words taken out of context, simply because they were from the doctor, are Satanism. Right. Like, when I run into people like that, my favorite thing to do is, you know, online when I run into people like that, I like to just say, hey, he was a guy. Let him take a second and hear that and get offended. And then say, <laughs> he was a guy that I had tremendous respect for, that whose literature you know, helped me un understand myself better and who I think had it right. But he's not some infallible prophet of this idea. Or no, I shouldn't say that. This Some sort of infallible prophet of the truth. He's someone who got it right. Mm but we're all human don't worship another human that's just as that's just like you know worshiping a god the way it's talked about in the satanic bible and then just cutting out the god and worshiping the guy instead of by proxy directly yeah you don't you're worship Anton LaVey and Learn I think from him. I think just because of the human nature the human condition I think we 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 like to um deify those who have passed. I'm a huge fan of uh, Jim Morrison and his music and his poetry. Uh, however, and, and there was a time when I genuinely saw him as a sort of like, you know, fucking lizard king. Like he was straight up the shaman. Like I, I saw him that way. But you have to come to terms as a human being and realize at some point, if you're in a religion that celebrates the idea that there is no God, that you are your own God and you're worshiping the founder you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like you have yeah. to come to terms. There's a there's a post that I've kind of had in my draft bin for a long time that I've I've titled "Kill Your Heroes," where it, you know it's kind of about that idea. Or it's anytime you have someone that's so much your hero that they become kind of above normal people only because you just love them so much take a minute and learn everything you can about them that makes them human, that makes them flawed, that makes mm -hmm. them fallible, and realize that if they are that bad, if that person is that bad, and maybe you're that bad, maybe you're worse, maybe you're not as bad, just in your personal life, mm -hmm. you can be that level of good that you see in that person. You know, Take down your heroes. Stop having heroes and just have people that you learn from and respect. Yeah. This is a huge part of what it means to go from childhood to adulthood, though. Mm -hmm. You know, we do it with our parents. Our, as a child, our parents are God. They, they are literally those who take care of us, pass laws. They, they are infallible. And then it, there's a point in your youth where you realize, whoa, these people are fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. what happened to them? And then you realize that they're not infallible. They are human. And that is a hugely important psychological stepping point for every human boy, uh, boy, for human, <laughs> human being to make. Why is it that we're able to do that with our parents, but we're not able to do that with our religious representatives or political representatives or what have you? Like, we deify others because there's distance between us and we can't smell their fart. Right. <laughs> you know? It's ridiculous. Like, you know, we're all just fucking people. I want to embroider that on a pillow. Yeah, you should. You should, you should sell that. I'd buy one. I'm sorry, you were saying? You know, we're, we're all just people and, you know, some of us are better at certain things than other people, but at the end of the day, we all, you know, we all fart, I guess, yeah. to follow yeah. your pillow. No, I, I dig it. <laughs> all right, I want to get a little more into you. Let's step a little bit away from Satanism proper uh, because you're a student, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, just transferred to it in school after completing an associate's degree debt-free. and Congratulations. Thank you. That was a lot of work. 
debt free. That's something, man. Especially yeah. in the, the business that is college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of nights of uh, four hours of sleep, but I, I wrote an essay about that one too. But yeah, now I'm here and I'm studying, you know, things I'm actually interested in and things that I can get excited about. I'm at a real school. And all that <laughs> well, I mean, can you give us an example? What are you studying? So I am studying English literature and language. Um, so you just hate money my, then. What's that? You just hate money. I do. It's terrible. Um, You're like, I don't want to make a living, so I'm going to study. At least it's not like philosophy straight up, right? That's just to make my dad mad. <laughs> I just want no, to I, dance. <laughs> I actually am getting a uh, trade certification as well, so that's, that's right awesome. when I get my degree. Yeah, yeah. I, can, uh, I can work right when I get my degree and kind of use that as a stepping stone to get into the industry that I actually care about and actually feel invested in so so what is it that drew you to language and literature it's my opinion that the a, a system of written language the first time language was ever written the most powerful tool humanity has ever created was kind of brought into existence Whoa. you know we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are now if we couldn't write things down make them permanent give them to one another kind of make things timeless and i've always ever since i was very very young loved reading it was my uh it was my favorite pastime you know no youtube no tv i I had books and uh, i always loved writing and the older i got the more I found that that kind of wasn't just a childhood thing. That was just something that I felt was important to me. And kind of, I wanted to learn the mechanics of it and how it worked and how I could be better and all these things. And I've just kind of followed that passion for knowing more about it and for entertaining myself through the written word into my education. And I'm hoping to make a career out of it one way or another. Nice. Well, what is your, your, end goal here i mean what what, ideally if you could have your druthers what would be your profession ideally i would be a novelist um realistically i'd i'd like either to be in the publishing industry or um a a literary agent you know something in that kind of realm where i can read and help people be better with their writing and kind of promote good stuff I'm digging, man. So, um, ultimately, I think with with you know the, just historically from language and literature, again with almost every human endeavor, I think we glorified a little too much because with every bit of good writing comes some very very bad writing. <laughs> you know, you say some with every yeah, diamond <laughs> that comes is a mountain of excrement. Yeah, I mean, I just ranted about fucking Aquino's piece of shit. So clearly, you know, we're we're facing problems with uh, uh, writing, you know, in this religion as well. But um, I don't know. Like, what are what are some of your? Where do you drive your? Where do you take your inf- inspiration from uh, when it comes to language and literature? Uh, it's it's a weird eclectic mix. So there's some stuff that I kind of am studying in my spare time that's either just so taboo that people are telling me I can't touch it. Like I'm, I'm reading the 120 Days of Sodom, Sodom right now. And what? there's other stuff. Yeah. So uh, Marquis de Sade's book, uh, kind of most popular that's book. Deep dig. Yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> Um, other stuff, I, I want to read the classics, and a lot of times I really just love a good story. You know, I like you know, the movie came out recently, and I read the book. I like stuff like Ready Player One, that kind of formulaic, um, made for consumption stuff. It's I, I like a good story, and I like something that makes me think. And no better place to look than the arts for that, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's literally what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's explaining our human condition. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, when you think, I mean, because ultimately you say, you know, if you could have your way, you would be a novelist, yeah? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it about, about the just tradition of communication that excites you? Because ultimately, I mean, I, I very much am following the same vein as you through digital and visual arts of just yeah. communicating ideas, um, sharing our own human experience, using lesser magic to, to you know, turn a profit ultimately in my yeah, case. Yeah, right. Um, do, do you want... What is your connection with that? That or or is there? I should ask a connection with the human tradition that that storytelling, uh, passing it down through generations. Because you mentioned that you know this is sort of you know where our civilization comes from. Do you have any uh, favorite pieces that stand out that you can say yes? This for me was a powerful moment in human literature. Uh, and, uh, you know, what would that be for you? Because, I mean, you, you mentioned what you were reading right now, but, but is there sort of like a, a, a grand piece of literature that you always go to? Not really. I have such a hard time returning to literature. You know, there are things that I, I will read and I'll go, I can't read this again for five years because I won't, I'll, I'll remember what happened. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, there, there's never been a grand, this one thing made us different in a massive way. I do think that there has been lots of little things that have built up and made us who we are. And, you know, obviously there are religions and their, their texts that have shaped the world differently. Nobody can deny that the Christian Bible has changed the world for better or for worse. Most and, popular selling book. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's, I think that the, the art as a whole shapes who we are, but I, I'd be hard pressed to find any one thing that really was a defining moment in human history yeah. or even in literary history, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, I think only in that it reveals a little bit about who you are in your answer. You know, yeah. if you would have said, um, uh, curious George and the man, in the yellow hat, I would have had a very distinct perception of you. <laughs> I should have said curious George and the man in the yellow hat. <laughs> Not so terrible. Um, but you know, if, if it would have been, uh, uh, you know, the Hellbound heart by Clive Barker, I would have had a very different opinion of you. I mean, depending on, and this is where I find literature is almost, it can be very much like the patch one wears on their jacket, you know? Absolutely, like, yeah. You're just like, no, 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 this is who I am. This, <laughs> go back to like office space, this is my flair. This is the button I'm wearing to help define right, right, who right. I am. Uh, this, these are the books that I read, and hence this is who I am as a human being. Um, do you think that's fair? Do you think that's a, a realistic expectation? Or is that something that we're just putting on air as, as with virtually every other fashion element? I think it's like uh, the synthesizer clock and the satanic witch. Like, oh, shit. it's a great, it's, a, it's like the synthesizer clock and the satanic witch. It's a great rule of thumb. You know, if you learn, like, obviously I didn't give mine very well, but if you learn what people love, to read what what really moves them or gets them thinking or why that's a pretty good indicator of their person because reading's internal you know it's something mm -hmm. that you mentally relate to mm -hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with anybody else if you're in my opinion doing it right so i think if you you know get a list from someone you meet of their top 5 books i guess that's a pretty good indicator 9 times out of 10 of what they're like or who they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pretension involved. I mean, anytime that someone is describing themselves, whether it's through music or through literature or through uh, art, there is a, a percentage of humanity that takes that to a pretentious level, and they're not even really sharing what they truly enjoy. They're sharing what they want to be seen as. Um, oh, and maybe totally. that's behind my, my comment about literature as fashion. Because... I was in basic training in Fort Gordon, Georgia, reading Dante's Inferno, and I had this, this frame of this is who I am, where 
everyone else was seeing it in a completely different way than I thought I was projecting it. And there's no yeah. possible reason why I should bring Dante's Inferno into a basic training or AIT scenario in the military. And so I don't know if I was reading it at that time, in that moment, because I genuinely wanted to get through that goddamned poem <laughs> for the sake of it, because at the time, Seven was super popular. And I was like, I must yeah. read every fucking book referenced. Uh, or if because I genuinely appreciate it and it was a part of who I was, or if I just wanted people to see me as the type of person that would sit down and enjoy fucking Dante's Inferno, some fucking 15th century archaic poem about politics of the era. Like, right. The people don't even fucking understand to this day because they try to apply it to some weird, you know, fucking afterlife uh, bullshit fairy tale that it never really was. So I did the exact same thing with the exact same poem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really good. Like, I legitimately enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was hey, like, Virgil's well, yeah, dead. I'm reading Dante's Inferno. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing? <laughs> Right, so at what point does good literature stop being good literature and start being good art as a representation of the self? I think it, at the point that you stop appreciating what the author intended for what they intended and begin to use that literature as a means of self-promotion. Right. So you can love Dante's Inferno because it had badass imagery in it and it had, you know, Dude, the these really those cool lines. Yeah, it was just, you could love it because it was super cool. That's appreciation of literature. But the moment when you go, hey, I think I'm just going to leave this out on my bunk and, <laughs> you know, done all my training just so, so yeah. everybody can see I'm reading Dante's Inferno. Is, uh, yeah. Oh, you're, uh, deep. you're not even really reading it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I like that. Um, so, what do you appreciate more? Are, are you are you a more fiction type of guy? Are you a you know true life bio? Is it is it nonfiction? Like, wh where do you gravitate? It's it's all fiction and poetry for me. Nice. Um, and a lot of satire. Like one of my favorite books of all time is uh, American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Which oh my gosh, fuck yes, yeah. yeah. The book's brilliant. The movie is garbage oh compared to the book because it loses the entire message. Yeah, but. no, no, no. Oh, my, oh so, dude. Yeah. We are on the same fucking wave right now. Holy right. shit, that was a brilliant novel. Yeah, I, uh, that was my like final essay my senior year was on uh, American Psycho, and I gave a huge presentation on it, and the teacher fucking hated me because I was like, <laughs> yeah, and then he murdered that dog. and. But it was symbolic because of this and the the culture in the '90s and then the '80s and. Did you yeah, do a so deep dive like into Ellis's other work? I haven't. No, oh, I mean, I gosh. for a little while I was kind of interested in him as a person because I just I, I think he's very interesting and right. only, you know, right. a pretty s smart and interesting person would write a book presenting that idea that way. But no, I should probably check that out. Yeah, sometimes we like, get lucky. <laughs> I feel like like he he's. I feel like um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here. I am saying American Psycho is to literature in you know twenty fifteen ten fifteen years ago what The Great Gatsby was in its era. It is a brilliant novel that speaks on so many different levels to so many wonderful aspects of the human condition of frailty, of fear, uh, of personal expression and, and, and feigned importance and, and desire to fit in and, and the, the lack of ability to fit in. I mean, it's just such a brilliant... We have to do a show on that, dude. Oh, absolutely. I'd be all for that. That's one of my favorite books of all time. I think it's incredibly important and I think it's beyond The Great Gatsby, just like any oh, great wow, book. Oh, really? Is. Yeah, because The Great Gatsby, to me, is something that was kind of palatable, you know, and whereas... Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> American Psycho is something that's... The message is so important and so well done, but the presentation just couldn't be accepted by the majority of people, much like, you know, Satanism. It couldn't... It, it's not... Even the movie, which was R-rated and seen as so violent and all the, it pales in comparison to the book and loses all meaning. Yeah. meaning. It's just, it's beyond to me. The yeah. way any great work is, people don't like it. 
Oh, dude, there's this really great moment where he just reached in his hand down inside of her and just grabbed what he could and pulled it out. And he's just like, fuck! That is yeah. so... I, I... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I read that book at 18, and there were a couple moments, and I've got a strong stomach, but I'm yeah. like, you it know what? Rough. I think I need a break. It was rough. It was rough. It was rough. Oh, my gosh. I love that novel. Okay, so we are definitely – we, we got to set that up at some point because I love that yeah, so much. absolutely. Um, I, I do want to uh, sort of at, tack on a comment here based on, on your uh, take of uh, Great Gatsby v. American Psycho because – as with anything, I think, in history, if you look back at comedy, your stand-up comedy, for example, um, back in the day, it was very, you know, vaudeville. It was very sort of uh, mm -hmm. quippy and, you know, one-liners. And nowadays we have, like, really raw, visceral insult comedy that is like, poignant. And you have uh, uh, political uh, comedy that, that, that just tears apart society and, and just breaks it down to its basis instincts. Um, that's how I see the juxtaposition between the two. In the time, yeah. that book, you can argue, you know, it was uh, his, his first novel that really defined the era. But The Great Gatsby, I think, is a wonderful example for mankind, uh, and maybe not so much mankind, but certainly Satanists, in a failed lesser magic practitioner. Gatsby was probably the best case scenario of the worst case satanist <laughs> that you could run into and he's i'm gonna he, have to rerun reread that in that lens because i had I, I read it at a time that i just wasn't into it right right but that's a that's a perspective that i haven't heard taken before i'll have to check that out again so i don't, I don't want to harp on it because we don't have a whole bunch of time here We're yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Our limit but yeah i i definitely want to have this conversation again um but you said also that you are you know you're you're working on a novel in very early stages yourself yeah. uh, is there any light you can shine on what you're working on yeah so um it's you know it's a dystopian um but uh, not to I'm not going to give away much of the plot because, you know, like I said, it's really early and there are a lot of very talented writers, I'm sure, in your audience. Um, it, most dystopians, it's very clear who's good and who is bad and who's, who's to be admired and what values are good in the eyes of the author and what isn't. And I, I kind of took, I, I wanted to take, one of the things I wanted to incorporate was the I, idea of third side. And it's not an expressly satanic novel, but I don't. I want the reader to be able to decide who is really in the right. You know, the the overall society isn't totally bad. There's some great things about it, and the kind of resistance isn't totally good. There's some really terrible things about it, and the characters are. I, I didn't want it to be simply just a presentation of symbols, so. I'm hoping I can get it out correctly, but that's about as much as I want to say. Interesting. Do yeah. you have any um, projections of, of where you, when you would like this to be uh, realized? Um, it, it always moves. So now that you know I'm in school and I'm, I've got a 15 credit semester this semester, um, it kind of sets me back pretty far. Um, but hopefully, within the next couple of years. Um, Maybe a little longer. I, I'm not sure yet. I have started drafting the manuscript, and once that's done, the uh, editing on my end will go pretty quick. But it's all about when I can fit it into my work schedule, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. not making me money yet, so. Yeah. Um, so you had already mentioned that you know if you had your way, you would be a, a novelist. Uh, but Satanism is all about real-world accomplishments. You've done a really wonderful job. Uh, with the time that you've had so far, what are some goals that you have down the road? And not this novel that we just spoke about, um, not finishing college because that's a given, but what right. are some things that you know you sort of see on the horizon that you'd like to realize? It, you know, a lot of them are really simple for me. Um, you know, I'd like to be a homeowner. Um, I'd like to be a homeowner in a good area. Mm -hmm. You know, like like to be in a fulfilling relationship at some point. Uh, um, long-term speaking I, i'd like to have a stable job basically my only goals at this point um being in as much debt and uh financial constraint as i am right now is to have a, a good stable job that i know i can rely on a home for myself and enough money left over to 
you know, be able to go to the bar on Saturday nights and take myself on road trips. Mm. Um, so right now I'm, you know, outside of college, I'm really just making sure that I build up enough to have that base level of living so that I can kind of use that as my new launching off point and kind of use that to grow from. Nice. Are you optimistic? Am I optimistic? About um, your future, yeah. On the best of days, yes. Um, on the worst of days, no. But uh, I, I try to ignore how I feel about the likelihood and push through whatever I'm pushing through because I, I, I've been diagnosed with depression. So um, that's something that I work through a lot um, in my life. And, you know, a lot of times it's just not biologically possible for me to feel optimistic about my future. Um, and I've had to come to understand that if my, you know, my plan for building myself a good life is sound on the m most average of days, then I just have to work as hard as I can at it, no matter how I'm feeling about it, and trust that I put in good work when I was in a little bit better of a space. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to say, that's that's refreshing to hear, the honesty behind that. Uh, and I'm a little bit pissed off that we haven't met as of yet, because we yeah. have a, a few things in common that I would have loved to have had conversations prior to this. Yeah, <laughs> me too. What the me hell? <laughs> All right, well, we've got to have you back on. we got to talk about this, man. You, you down for it? Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in live and, you know, throwing in your commentary back and forth with each other and every once in a while throwing us a bone. It's weird because it's almost like you guys are watching TV and yet there is this literal one-to-one -one communication that you could be having with us. I don't know. You know, maybe say hi. It's all I'm asking. <laughs> it's weird, right? Like this is a live show. You guys should be uh, commenting on what we're commenting on. All right. I appreciate it as much as you do anyway. And if you want to support the show, you can always support it by subscribing to the YouTube channel, signing up to the email list to find out who I'm going to be speaking to next, what we're going to be speaking about, and when we're going to be doing it. And of course, if you like what you see, in this case here, shoot a rating or review in uh, the link below. So uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, saying this, Christian Grant, my man. Great to meet you, and I look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Me too. Great to meet you too. And I hope to talk again soon. Well, until we can speak of the devil again, my friend, hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs>